This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. A couple months ago, I was I ran into a news story on an Australian news website, and the title was Disruptive Women Leave the Church World to Reach the Brokenhearted, and that caught me. And I'll read you the couple paragraphs from it. It says, You might think the last place you'd find a Christian anti-porn campaigner is in a brothel, but Letitia Shelton regularly visits the brothels, brothels and strip clubs in her hometown in Queensland, Australia. In fact, she's been visiting sex workers for years. For the past 22 years, Letitia Sheldon has been leading a radical movement. It's a movement made up of Christian women from different denominations who together are ministering in the same way Jesus did, moving beyond the four walls of the church to serve those in need in their local communities. And they quote Letitia saying, if you want to find Jesus, you go to the broken. I've learned more from them than from a trillion servants. And so we're blessed to have today Letitia calling in from Australia. Letitia, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the program. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me. So I just want to invite you to share your story, stories about your ministry and what you see there. Oh, that's a huge open-ended question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Look, I'll... um, I mean, we've been on a journey for the last 20 years of, yeah, how do we together as churches uh, reach our city? How do we pastor a city? Um, but, you know, we've got to do these things together. We always say it takes a citywide church to win a citywide battle. So um, 20 years ago when we became aware of some of the issues in our city, I thought we've got to work together as churches um, you know, the biggest sin in a city is the disunity of the church. Uh, the most dysfunctional family in a city is the church. We compete, we don't join together, um, we work against each other. So we've been on a journey of, yeah, how do we not only move into um, our community, but how do we work together in that way? And so um, I started the organisation City Women um, 20 years ago to mobilise women across the churches to work together into our city. So not only have we been involved in um, strip clubs and brothels, but we've been in our schools. Um, We've been helping refugees, kids in care, um, pregnant women, women on drugs, a whole range. Um, So it's just been an exciting journey. Mm. The article mentions where you took 20 girls away to the mountains and Hmm. five of the girls were sitting around a table and 
sharing about sexually abused. Talk about that. Yeah, that was one of the catalysts that really kicked um, it off for me. That was our very first camp um, back in 2001, would you believe, um, where we, after the mayor of our city had challenged us to get outside church and do something for the young people of our city. Um, so we took away 20 girls up to the mountains, just two hours from where I live, and had, yeah, these five girls sitting around the table on the second night, just still sharing their abuse stories. And so um, it was, I guess, a bit, bit of an epiphany for me that night, realising what the heck are we doing? We are so busy inside our church that um, we've got to get outside um, and move the church into the pain. I think quite often we expect the world to come into the church, but that's not going to happen. Well, it certainly won't happen in Australia. Um, people don't come just to do religious duties. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a continual journey of how do we mobilise people. And hearing those girls' stories that night certainly woke me up to the fact that we have got to be a lot more... Um, I guess on the front foot and running into the pain instead of expecting it to come to us. Here in the U.S., we see numbers of two-thirds of Christian men in the church and 30% of women in the church viewing mm-hmm. pornography and 74% of youth viewing porn and sexting is blown up in our youth. What, what do you see there in Australia? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly the same. It's a worldwide culture. Unfortunately, we've all got access to the same mobile phones, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> have access to the same garbage. So, yes, look, those are... And I've just been in a, a little country called Fiji, a little Pacific island off the east coast of Australia. The only population's only a million people, but they rate fourth highest in the world for Googling porn. So, and... And 64% of their nation attends church. Mm. So um, these same same issues are everywhere, unfortunately, because it's a global culture that are seeking to destroy um, lives. And yeah, so we again decided in our city about five years ago that we would address the issue of pornography. And we launched a campaign called A City Free from Pornography. Um, now, that might seem like a, a bit of a crazy title or an impossible goal, which in the natural it probably is, um, but the kingdom of God coming to my city looks like a city free from porn, um, and I think it's important that we declare something um, that, that um, is different, but it's, we've been just wanting to highlight and really educate our city on um, the harms of porn, especially the parents, I think, so often... They don't have a clue what is going on um, and, and kids are into it, but parents don't know how to speak to their kids. So part of our campaign has been to do billboards, which happens around a lot of um, cities, but we've done radio ads, television ads, um, school presentations, church talks. Um, and I'm just actually today heading off right up to the top of Australia to cycle my bike 1,000 kilometres, which I don't know how many miles that is, sorry. But I'm raising money to get a book into um, homes in my city. It's a book on how to speak to your kids about pornography. So I'm doing this cycling trip 
and I've raised $107,000 so far and we've been up to deliver 19,000 books into homes. Um, so trying to get on the front foot and give parents of our city uh, a resource that um, even though it's available online and they could get it for free, um, I just want a hard copy of a resource that sits in their home maybe for years and um, makes them think about pornography and what it's doing to their children and how to speak to their kids. So, look, we're just having a go and um, doing what we can with the limited resources we have. But, um, yeah, it's fun Mm. most days. (laughs) What we see here is that kids are getting smartphones as early as age six and then we have people come... Yeah, (laughs) We have peop- still there. people come to us for help, and it's a parent, and they're saying, my 9- or 10-year-old is addicted to porn. What do I do? Mm. So that connects with what you're saying about parents haven't gotten a clue. Is that what you're seeing there? Absolutely, yeah. Look, and again, parents, I mean, it's parenting's hard enough without having to keep up to date with um, the latest pornography. <laughs> where it's coming from and how it's affecting our kids. But unfortunately, um, you can't parent without talking about pornography these days um, and its damaging effects. Our Australian government surveyed Australian parents and 77% of parents believe it's their job to speak to their kids about pornography, but less than half actually do Mm. just because they they don't know what to say or how to say it. Um, So... They're trying to take away any excuses by putting a resource into their hands. So anyway, I'll be cycling for the next two weeks. Well, you must be in great shape then. That's 650 miles <laughs> on our side. Okay, you've done a good job. Uh, look, um, I, I might be by the end of it because <laughs> <laughs> I've been overseas the last month. I have some limited training, but anyway, I'll hope for the best. So uh, tell us what you encounter in the way of spiritual warfare. Yeah, look, there's there's always opposition. Um, But, you know, I've got to be honest, a lot of things, um, and I just feel the grace of God in a lot of what we do. Um, And we experience a lot of favor. And yes, there's opposition, and I've got some great... um, Great prayer teams, but I don't make it a big focus. You just got to keep going and um, yeah, keep walking. All that God has called you for the long term. So we've been at this for over twenty years now, and we're not going away anytime soon. So uh, it just takes uh, long term obedience in the same direction, doesn't it? Mm, yes, it does. Making sure you've got good prayer teams, you walk in wisdom, you have good people surrounded uh, by you. But I think. As we've worked together as churches, it's been... But the Bible says God commands a blessing and you really experience a different grace and joy um, that you don't when you're just doing it on your own. I think a lot of our spiritual warfare comes because we're trying to fight alone. <laughs> and the enemy can pick us off easily. Um, but fighting together um, is God's way and um, it, it brings a lot of uh, fruit and joy in that. So... Mm. Look, I, I don't want um, to make light of um, the work of the enemy, but, yeah, he's not my number one problem. <laughs> well, and what we see, when I go and speak, <laughs> 
sometimes I'll ask the audience to raise their hand if they meet with another believer consistently for the purpose of prayer and support. Usually only about 15% put their hands up. So that goes back to, yeah. the, to what we see here is most Christians are isolated. Mm. Yep. No, they can be. And then most churches are isolated and most ministries are isolated. Um, and when you think that God has called us to be one body, there's one body in each city. Um, there will be many congregations, but we're, we're the Church of Jesus. Um, mm. So the sooner we can find each other, the sooner um, they're more powerful and can make a greater impact. One uh, quote from something you said in the news article was, if we can have less porn, we'll have less domestic violence, we'll have less rape, we'll have less abortions, we'll have less broken marriages. So it's really preventative. Talk about that, because I think a lot of people think, well, porn is just, you know, it's, we're just looking at pictures mm. are not really hurting yeah, anyone. Yeah, look, and this is why I started our campaign in our city, because when you look at all the research, um, pornography fuels all those things you've just mentioned. <laughs> and while we work with vulnerable women and girls, um, and we'll continue to pick up the pieces and help those suffering, um, you want to prevent um, and get to the bottom of what is causing a lot of this pain. And uh, I'm not sure what it's like in your nation, but our nation has a huge domestic violence problem, and we spend billions of dollars per year trying to fix it. Mm. Um, but no one wants to address the issue of pornography. And not that porn, um, you know, causes every bit of domestic violence, um, but it sure does a lot and, um, and shapes those, you know, violent... Um, Tendencies within especially young boys from a young age um, and their ability to look at girls and women as human beings. So, um, yes, we've, we've got to begin to speak up. And, yep, it's not always a popular discussion, but I, especially as I keep it focused on our children, um, no one disagrees that kids should not see pornography. Um, and if we can stop them from seeing it and ending down roads of... And years of addiction, um, hopefully that'll stop them from acting out in ways that could end them up in prison and with criminal, um, yeah, charges. In the nation of Fiji, where I've just been, I've got a friend who works in the prison in the capital city, and his job is to interview sex offenders as they come in, and he said 100% of them have been addicted to porn. Mm. 100% of the sex offenders. So, um, you know, is that a coincidence? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so that's why we stand up and not just to stop these evil things from happening, but we want to see beautiful marriages, beautiful relationships, beautiful uh, intimacy and sexuality. So we've got to fight um, for the beauty of all that God has created, hasn't we? Amen. So on a nationwide basis in Australia, do you see pastors talking openly about porn and equipping people on how to overcome and break free from it, or, or what do you see? Uh, look, by and large, no. I mean, there'll be little pockets, and, you know, maybe maybe the youth pastor will do one or two talks a year, um, but generally, no, it's not on their uh, radar. 
again, uh, look, again, it depends. Some are brilliant. That's um, I find probably the majority, and that's why they have me come and speak. <laughs> Um, and again, it's it's hard for them to keep up to date with where it's all at. Not that they need to be up to date. Um, but look, it'd be great to see the church um, engage in a lot more of the cultural issues, not just porn, um, but and not just speak about them, but um, actually come up with solutions in their cities, uh, really. Because, yeah, yeah, we need to talk to our people, but we're also here to pastor a city. And that's why I just didn't start a campaign to the churches in my city. I started a campaign to the city. Because um, actually, Jeremiah 29 says, when you seek the welfare of the city, um, you will be blessed. So it's amazing that as you look at the bigger picture first, it trickles down um, into the churches as well. Um, and so, you know, very few pastors think um, citywide and, and think with a big vision like that. And that's okay. They're not all wired that way. But there's people, that's why we need the body of Christ, because there's people in our cities who think bigger and we need to tap into each other. Um, otherwise, we're going to get nowhere. Mm. And we are getting nowhere. Look at our, 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 our nations, your nation and my nation. If only we'd stop and go, is what we're working as churches? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, what does the Bible say? Um, but we continue on thinking that we've got the latest and greatest, don't we? The early church was devoted to prayer, fellowship, and teaching, and they changed the world, and we focus on the worship band and the teaching, and we're crumbling. Yeah. Well, and when you look at the the books of the Bible, Corinthians was written to one church in Corinth, you know. Philippians was written to one church in Philippi, Um so they weren't all these little denominations there that were competing against each other. They were devoted together in unity, meeting together daily, um, and the Spirit of God fell upon them, and they turned the world upside down. You were quoted, and this really res- resonated with me. I'm so thankful that God saved me from a boring Christian life. And I can relate to that because I would rather yeah. I'd rather um, be right in the look, thick of the fight than yes, sitting on the yes, sidelines and watching. God calls all of us into an adventure with Him, um, and I've just been called to the vulnerable in my city. But wherever people find themselves, we're all missionaries, aren't we? Yep. Um, wherever, whether we're a truck driver or a mother at home, we're in a street with neighbours. Whether we're a school student, we're at school, so we're meant to be a missionary. And again, I think most um, 99% of Christians want to wake up every day going, I'm going to the mission field today. They think it's a boring life. So they're not engaging in the, with the Spirit of God to, um, to see his kingdom come where we find ourselves as missionaries each day. So um, we just allow the boredom of life rather than stepping out and, and seeing what God wants to do where he's placed us and taking some risks. Um, every time I take a risk, yes, it's scary, but I find that God is out there in the unknown. Um, he's waiting for me to step out. So that, um, you know, He needs us to move where, where his plan A to see his kingdom come. <laughs> mm. I, I, think some, I don't know who else we think is going to do it, but when God decided that he wanted to, um, you know... Um, populate the earth, he put us, human beings, and Adam and Eve were given a job right at the beginning. 
So I think, yep, we, we don't have an understanding of what our role is on Earth and uh, we live just like the rest of the world and it's boring. And <laughs> just going to church every week is boring too. Um, maybe not your church, but <laughs> mine can be sometimes. Well, So I'm thankful that that God gave me a bigger vision um, than my even just pastoring my own church. Um and he gave me a bigger vision that we're here for the city, that we've got to do it together, uh, and that we're going to have to step out and take some high-level risks, which are exciting. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I also agree with what you said about sometimes church can be boring because we've been looking for a new church here for the last two years, and and um, sometimes it just feels like there's too much of an emphasis on comfort and making people feel good but not challenging them to take those yeah. risks like you're I talking about. Um, and so, you know, but you're following Jesus um, and he can, obviously he's got you on a journey that's exciting as well. Hey. We're doing a billboard campaign ourselves in Las Vegas um, beginning the end of next month, so hmm. we're right there with you. Good <laughs> on you. Yeah. Yep, keep going. How did your billboard campaign go? Uh, look, yeah, we we just kind of do them every probably twice a year. Um, I mean, I'm in a compared to Las Vegas, I'm in a tiny little city. Um, it's called Toowoomba, with about 150,000. So um, we're nothing like you guys, but we you, we've got some big digital billboards in the middle of town which we use, and um, whenever we put them up there, um, there's always a greater um, foot traffic to our website. Um, we always get more um, letters of abuse. Um, conversations are happening in workplaces. Uh, the local newspaper usually picks up on it. So it, to me, it just keeps you know creating conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can send people back to our website where we have a lot of information and resources and, and just local people speaking. So again, you know, it's not going to change the world, but it's just kind of something to keep um, a pebble in your shoe to make you feel discomfortable and get the conversations happening. Again, you know, this is long-term stuff, so one, one billboard campaign is not going to win the day, but we have just got to keep going for uh, many years from different angles, I think, are really important. Yeah, it's planting seeds is what I would call it. Hmm, yep. So talk about city women. Uh, I think we have about a minute left here. Talk about city women. How? So who, who's coming to you to, to help out? What is What does your organization look like? Yeah, we're an umbrella for about 10 different ministries that are um, helping um, different people in the city. So I mentioned before, we're, we're out there with the sex workers, the refugees, kids in care, school kids, um, pregnant women, a whole range. So each of those ministries have different leaders um, over them and um, and our job has just been to make women across the city aware of these ministries and how they can get involved. Um, generally, I find that women really want to do something. They feel the pain of a city. They want to get involved. They're happy to work together. They don't have so many hang-ups. So, um, yeah, it's just great to see them come forward and want to volunteer and in whatever area they're passionate about. 
Mm. Um, and that as we've worked together, we've been able to accomplish a lot more than if we do um, this work by ourselves. So that's the general uh, gist of how it works. But it's been an exciting journey and it's changing. Things start and then they stop. There's seasons for different ministries that we've run. But, um, yeah, it's just been an exciting journey as we've tried to look at how we can meet the needs. Well, we're out of time, and I want to thank you very much, Letitia, for joining us and calling us. I know it was 5 in the morning, your time when you called. Yeah. And I love what you're doing, and I love the impact you're making. And So thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.